Well, hello, everyone, and praise the Lord. I want to welcome you to the Living for God podcast. This is where we teach believers basic principles from the Word of God on how we should live for the Lord. And during this session, I want to talk about being indifferent towards sin. How many of us would agree that we are living in a time and hour that the church has become very passive in dealing with sin in its midst? And don't get me wrong, I understand that none of us are perfect, meaning that every last one of us have to fight against our sin nature, and sometimes we win the battle, but there are other times we may lose, and we find ourselves engaging in a particular sin. And you know what? That applies to every last one of us. But the sin that I'm referring to, that the church has become too tolerable of, it's not the sin that we're fighting against and seeking to be delivered from, but it is a sin that we are relaxed in. That is the sin that, have, that we have made part of our lives. The ones that we commit and we are good with. You know, the ones that we have convinced ourselves that it is okay. Simply because we said, well, you know, everybody's doing it. Or we said that times have changed. Therefore, it is an acceptable practice now. See, I'm talking about those practices that the Bible clearly speaks against. But nevertheless, we find so common in the church today, such as the sin of sexual immorality, which includes premarital sex, homosexuality, adultery, and any sexual act that deviates from God's word. How many of us would agree that we are living in a sexually charged society that engages in all types of immoral sexual behavior? In so much that it has become ingrained in today's culture. You know, we see it ever so clearly in our TV shows. We see it in our movies. We see it in our magazines. And we see it in our fashion. See, its influence has affected every part of our society. And its influence has also affected the church. In so much that sexual immorality has become a common practice in our midst. Similar to what occurred in the Corinthian church. See, the city of Corinth was a uh, very sexually immoral city. You know, within this city, there was a temple to the Greek goddess of love called Aphrodite that housed 1,000 sacred prostitutes. And you know, the residents of this city will worship this pagan goddess by performing all types of sexual acts with these temple prostitutes. So the city of Corinth like today, was also a very sexually charged society. Therefore, its influence also affected the church in so much that they also, similar to what we see today, became very tolerable of sin in its midst. So the Apostle Paul had to address this issue in order to keep God's church holy and not allow its testimony to be ruined. As we're going to see in today's lesson, And you know, the same is true today. See, this problem of sexual immorality in the church also has to be addressed and corrected in order for the church today to be holy and not to have its testimony ruined. And we know that the Bible refers to the people of God as being what y'all saints, which actually means holy vessels, which implies that we're supposed to live holy to the glory of God. Therefore, as believers, y'all, We have to live up to our name. 
that is in order for us to be taken seriously by the world. And also, more importantly, in order for us to please the holy God that we serve. Now, those of you who have your Bibles, turn them to 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and we're going to pick it up in the first verse. And the scripture reads, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. Wow. So we, we can see that the sexual sin that was going on in the midst of the church of Corinth was that a member of the church was sleeping with his father's wife or his stepmother. See, it is believed that this woman was either widowed by the member's father or she had divorced him. Also, it is believed that this was an ongoing relationship, meaning either the son had married her or was living with her. So this was a case of incest. Even though the mother was not his biological mother, but nevertheless, she was still his father's wife, which technically made her his mother. And Paul even mentions here that this type of sexual behavior is not even named among the Gentiles, meaning even the unbelieving world saw this act as being shameful and disgraceful. So what we have here is members of God's holy church doing things even the world considers as being repulsive. Wow. And I dare to say that a similar type of sexual sin is occurring in the church today. See, when a leader of a church who is considered to be their spiritual father has an ungodly sexual relationship with one of his members who is considered to be one of his spiritual daughters, I believe that also can be considered as an ancestral, ancestral excuse me, relationship spiritually. And how often do we hear about this occurring in the church today? And the bad thing about the act that was occurring in the church of Corinth that Paul was addressing and many of the ungodly acts that we see occurring in the church today is that it would eventually become public knowledge, meaning everyone both in the church and in the world, knows about it. And as a result, y'all, it taints the witness of the church. And the testimony of the church is ruined. And you know what? Satan wins. See, how many of us would agree that Satan is behind all of the sexual immorality that we see in the world today? We know that the Bible states that he is the prince of this world and the ruler of this age, and the whole world is under his control. Therefore, all of the immorality that we see in the world today originates from him. And one of the strongest weapons that he uses to keep people in bondage to sin is the weapon of sexual immorality, whether it be homosexuality, premarital sex, adultery, pedophilia, and etc. See, he uses these types of sexual perversions to keep people enslaved to their lusts. And just like he bombards the world with this sin, he also bombards the church in order to lure God's people away from God's holy requirement so that he can taint our witness and ruin our testimony so that we will, we will become ineffective in being the light of the world and the salt of the earth to bring this lost and dying world to Christ. See, we can't reach the world 
if we are living just like the world. Therefore, when the church engages in sexual sin, Satan wins because he, had, he obtains his objective. Okay, let's read the second verse. And you are puffed up, Paul says, and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. Wow. So we can see that the Corinthian church responded to this sinful act by simply being passive. Paul points out here that they were puffed up, which which simply implies they were proud and arrogant. You know, Warren Wisby stated that they were boasting about the fact that their church was open-minded, that even fornicators could be members in good standing. So they prided themselves on being a non-offensive, welcoming church, which caused them to be passive towards sin, all in the name of inclusion. Now, do we see this going on today? Where we have churches that won't preach against sin because they don't want to be offensive? And we have the Pope blessing same-sex unions in order to have a more inclusive church? But when we don't address sin in the church, it doesn't help the church But it hurts the church because it leads to a lot of people entering through the wide gate that leads to destruction as opposed to entering through the narrow gate that leads to life. See, the wide gate represents those who practice iniquity, which is simply habitual sin. And the narrow gate represents those who live upright lives for Christ. Therefore, not addressing sin in the church will lead to a lot of people not entering the kingdom of heaven. For the Bible states in Matthew 7 and 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Jesus said, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Therefore, the correct response towards sin in the church, as Paul states in today's text, is to mourn. In other words, see, we should be grieved over the sin in the church. For these reasons, number one, because of the damaging effect that it has on the lives of God's people. And number two, because it brings a reproach on the name of Christ. See, we should be grieved when we see believers in sin. Because, see, it it will only lead to them being judged by God. And it also is a bad reflection on the church. How many of us believe that? And Paul mentions at the end of the second verse that the, that the sinning brothers should be expelled from the church. This is, of course, if he doesn't repent, which is in line to what Jesus taught in Matthew, the 18th chapter, the 15th through the 17th verse, which reads, Moreover, if your brother sinned against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear Take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So it is assumed, y'all, that all of these steps was taken before this brother would be expelled from the church. First, someone came and addressed his brother privately. Secondly, two or more came and addressed his brother as a witness if he continues to persist in his sin. And thirdly, 
if he doesn't if he doesn't repent it, it will be taken before the church and if you and if he still refuses to repent before the church he is to be treated like an outsider and according to today's text he is to be expelled from the church now somebody may say well pastor gallon that is mighty hard but i'm here to tell you that it is necessary for several reasons number one his refusal to repent could be a serious threat and danger to the church because see his rebellious attitude can spread to others in the church number two also his sin may be duplicated in in, um, in the lives of other people see other people may decide to engage in that same practice and number three his sin will hinder the evangelistic efforts of the church in other words his sin will turn people away from the church so for these reasons y'all expelling a rebellious brother who refuses to repent is necessary okay let's read the third verse for indeed as absent in the body but present in spirit have already judged as though I were present him who has done this deed wow so Paul mentioned that even though he is not there physically he is there spiritually and he had already made up his mind about what should be done with this sinning brother evidently Paul saw this as being such an urgent matter that it couldn't wait until he was with them See, Paul saw the purity of this church as being of the utmost importance. And you know what, y'all? Paul had a sense of urgency about addressing sin in the church. And we should too. Because see, so much is at stake, which is the spiritual well-being of others in the church who may be influenced by this person's ungodly behavior and the reproach that it brings on the name of Christ. Okay, let's read the fourth verse. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let's stop there. So by making this statement, Paul is revealing on whom authority that he is speaking on behalf of. And that is the authority of Jesus Christ. And he follows by instructing them to have a church meeting. He states when you are gathered together. Then he states that his presence along with the presence of Christ, would be at the meeting, implying that him and Christ are in agreement about this matter. Okay, let's read the fifth verse. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me read you what the Warren Willsby commentary states. It says, When a Christian is in fellowship with the Lord and with the local church, he enjoys a special protection from Satan. But when he is out of fellowship with God and excommunicated from the local church, he is fair game for the enemy. God could permit Satan to attack the offender's body so that the sinning brother would repent and return to the Lord. So when the church expels this brother from the church, the umbrella of protection from the Lord will be lifted and he will be fair game for the enemy. And God would allow Satan to attack his body as a form of judgment so that he will repent of his sins and return to Christ. And this judgment was not only to punish him, but to awaken him to the righteous requirements of God. 
We know that the Bible states without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And the church in this time and hour also need to be awakened to the righteous requirements of God. See, God is a holy God. Therefore, he expects his people to live holy. But many of us have allowed the influence of the world to affect our behavior in so much that you can't tell the difference between us and the world, between the saved and the unsaved. We know that the Bible states in 2 Corinthians 6 and 17, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch which is what is unclean, and I will receive you. But we're not being separate from the world. We are not coming out from among them, but we are joining in with them. And God is not pleased. And the only way that we can come out from among them is for sin to be called out in the church and dealt with. See, we must not be indifferent towards sin in the church. We must not be tolerable of sin. we must not be tolerable of sin in the church. We must not be passive towards sin in the church, but we must root it out like cancer, because if not, it could spread like cancer and affect others in the church and ruin the church testimony. So the honor of God and the holiness of God's church is at stake. So we must address sin in the church. And God has laid out clearly in his word the way to go about it. So let's follow God's instructions and reclaim holiness in the church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find us on Facebook at Heart of God Christian Ministries, or you can visit our website at heartofgodchristianministries.co. Thank you for listening.